This is the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief, keeping you informed about the happenings in Annapolis and the area. Local news, local sports, local events, local opinion, and of course, local weather. The Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief starts now. Good morning. It's Friday, December 28th, 2018. This is John Frenet, and this is your Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. Yesterday morning, County Executive Stuart Pittman signed a letter addressed to ICE withdrawing the county from the participation in the controversial 287G program at the Anne Arundel County Detention Facilities. Now, the program was designed to train detention officers to potentially determine an incoming inmate's citizenship status and, if appropriate, refer it to ICE for further review, detention, or to begin deportation proceedings. Outgoing Correctional Superintendent Terry Kokolis was there, and he explained without the 287G program, the county would revert back to what they call a CAP program, which is an acronym for the Criminal Alien Program. That had been in place for more than a dozen years, and Kokolis said that the information has always been available to ICE and will continue to be available to ICE to make their determinations. It's just that Anne Arundel County will not be supplying the information to ICE. They're going to have to seek it out. Pittman somewhat backtracked on a campaign promise to close the Ordnance Road facility, which is currently housing ICE detainees for the federal government. This is a separate contract from the 287G program, and the county receives $118 per detainee per day for this. And last year, it received just over $4 million. Pittman was going to close it and make that a addiction recovery facility, something that is obviously very needed here in the county. However, after visiting up there and speaking with some of the detainees, he had a change of heart and has decided to keep that Ordnance Road facility open for federal detainees, citing that it is one of the best ones in the nation. In a surprise move, and I will have more on this in a opinion piece a little bit later on in this podcast, Pittman said that he is going to take some of that $4 million that's coming in from the federal government and apply it to legal representation for the detainees. But what I've been told is that a lot of the people there do not have the resources to have legal representation. It's inefficient um, for the system to have people coming in without lawyers. And um, so I feel that it's our obligation as human beings and as people who believe in justice for all uh, that we should do everything we can to provide legal assistance for these folks. So um, I think I'll be surprising some people today by saying that um, we will keep the Ordnance Detention Center open. We will continue that intergovernmental service agreement with ICE for the time being. Um, we don't know how long it will last because we don't know what will happen with the next election in Washington and what immigration policy will be in the future. We know that it changes um, over the years, and there may or may not be a need for this detention center in the future. Um, but for now, we will keep it open, and we will, we will account for the money— I will make sure that in our next budget, the money that we get from this facility, we got $4 million last year from this, um, that we use it for public safety, that we use it for the good community work that we're doing in the communities, but also that we use some of it to ensure that the people there have legal representation. The editorial board of the Baltimore Sun has named the Capital Gazette and its staff as Marylanders of the Year for 2019. The editorial board announced the honor on Thursday morning, citing the Capitol's response to the shooting of June 28th in their newsroom that killed five members of their staff. The board wrote, 
It is what happened next that leaves us in awe. With the world watching, those who survived began to report on the terror they had endured just hours before and on the losses they had just suffered. Reporter Chase Cook tweeted after the attack, I can tell you this, we're putting out a damn paper tomorrow. And they did. Another well-deserved honor for our friends over at the Capitol Gazette. Some contractors that are affected by the federal shutdown, they can last three days, maybe four, before they start to struggle with their pay. Contractors, as you know, may never get paid back for being idled. The partial government shutdown has now stretched beyond six days and there is no end in sight. President Trump and the congressional leaders appeared no closer to any kind of a resolution over his demand for a $5 billion border wall that can now push the shutdown well into the new year. The House and the Senate gaveled in for a perfunctory session yesterday, but quickly adjourned without action because that's what they do. No votes are expected until next week, and even that's not guaranteed. Lawmakers are mostly away for the holidays and will be given a 24-hour notice to return. But Republican senators, who will control the Senate when the new session is in place, said they will not vote until all parties, including Trump, agree to a deal. Now, federal workers and contractors forced to stay home and work without pay are experiencing mounting stress from the impasse. To get an idea of the dire consequences they face, as well as some humor, head on over to Twitter and check out the hashtag ShutdownStories. That's S-H-U-T-D-O-W-N-S-T-O-R-I-E-S. They will make you laugh and they will make you cry. That is about it for the top news today. Please make sure you're checking out ionanapolis.net throughout the day because we do update it throughout the day. We never know what's coming down the pike. Please make sure you're giving us a recommendation to your friends and your colleagues. If you're someplace where you can leave a review or a rating, please do that. It really helps the podcast get known to a larger audience. And if you enjoy it, that would be a really nice thing to do. Check out the link at the top of our show notes to make sure that you find out all the different ways that you can contact with us. It is Friday. We have our weekend picks of things to do. Of course, we have George Young with your local DMV weather forecast. And as I mentioned, I do have a little bit of an opinion on County Executive Pittman's move yesterday morning. Also, just a little bit of a production note. As we did last week, we will not be producing a daily news brief on Monday or Tuesday. We're going to kick back and we're going to relax a little bit, and we hope you do the same. So all that's coming up in just a minute. Hang tight. Imagine your child saying, Guess what I learned in school today? At St. Andrews, it happens every day. We asked Emma and Lawson why. We grow winter greens in our garden to make smoothies. Second graders are the chicken checkers, and our eighth graders take care of our goats. Our classes are the perfect size, which means we get to know each other well. And our teachers know us. They're great. Visit St. Andrews Day School's open house on Friday, January 18th from 9 to 11 a.m. Or call 410-266-0952 for a toy. Going out? You need the most up-to-date local weather. Here's George Young from DMV Weather in Annapolis with today's forecast. Hey everyone, this is George with DMV Weather and here's your Eye on Annapolis forecast for Friday, December 28th. More rain today for Annapolis and all of Anne Arundel County with high temps likely 60 to 65 degrees. But those warm temps will come with another flood watch as one to two inches of more rain is likely to fall across the region throughout the day today and into tonight. The upside to this broken record is the rain should move out of the area before Saturday rolls around, meaning dry, albeit breezy skies will return to start the weekend with temps in the 50s. But the reprieve won't last long as clouds will move back in Sunday and temps will drop back into the 40s for highs. And then comes Monday, the final day of 2018, and the expectation is for what else? 
more rain as another storm system moves in from the south-southwest, probably off to our southeast, possibly helping to push BWI's overall rainfall total toward the 75-inch mark for the year, while some other localized areas across the region will unofficially end the year in the 80 to 85-inch range for 2018. As for the Cincinnati-Virginia Tech military bowl game on Monday at 12 p.m. in Annapolis, it'll likely be cloudy and possibly wet with more rain, but temps in the 50s, as there's a good chance that the weather will be good enough to have a great time with an outside shot. The rain more or less holds off until after the game, but stay tuned for updates on that one via our app or website or social media as rain could kick off in the morning hours on Monday. And that's it for 2018, a slightly uneventful year weather-wise on the whole with minimal severe weather, no really big snowstorms, and no derechos crashing through the region in the middle of the night. But there were the following standout events, late March and mid-November snowstorms in a year of not much else in terms of winter weather, a continuing uptick in obvious climate change clearly marked by many dozen so-called nuisance flooding events in downtown Annapolis and beyond, a very unique 36- to 48-hour windstorm in the beginning of March in which winds gusted over 40 or even 50 miles per hour for many, many hours in a row, a second devastating flash flood down Main Street in Ellicott City in May with historic flooding also occurring nearby in Catonsville and Oella, and of course, the main thing we'd all love to forget but probably will always remember, which is the seemingly relentless rainfall in which we've had over two dozen flash flood watches or warnings issued by the National Weather Service, including today's flood watch, and also two dozen or so separate days throughout the year in which one inch or more of rain has fallen on each of those days, with today very likely adding another mark to that list. And that's that, out with the old and in with the new, as we won't be back on with Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief until next Wednesday, 2019, Hopefully not only safe and sound, but also with white flakes falling from the sky in place of raindrops. This is George Young of DMV Weather. Make it a great end to 2018 over the next few days. And best wishes for a happy, safe, prosperous, and very snowy new year ahead. There is a diamond of diamonds. It's from De Beers. Only 14 diamond tears in the world can touch them. Its name, Forevermark. And Zachary's is the only jeweler in the Annapolis area that has it. Not only is it beautiful and rare, it has a story supporting women in diamond-producing areas around the world. So when you give a Forevermark diamond, you don't just give, you give back. Zachary's and Forevermark, a jeweler and a jewel. Online at Zachary'sJewelers.com. So many different stories in the news, and everyone has an opinion. Here's ours. Well, Stuart Pittman blew it, in my opinion. Yesterday, County Executive Stuart Pittman kissed the 287G program goodbye as he promised on December 3rd at his inauguration. That really wasn't any kind of a surprise, and I'm really a little bit ambivalent on that. The program had some good points and some bad ones. Statistically, it was a success despite Pittman's claim that it wasn't. It was able to identify 69 out of 193 inmates that were here, quote, illegally. About half of those were as a result of committing violent crimes. So the program identified 35 illegal immigrants that committed a violent offense. That seems like a good thing to me. What about the illegal immigrant was arrested and subsequently found not guilty or the charges were dropped? That's where it gets a little bit unfair to me. That's my problem. So ditching the program was probably a good thing. 
And even Chief Altamari said that it had zero bearing on his work since it was a prison thing and not a policing thing. Now, where Pittman really blew it is he backtracked on another program he pledged to end, a housing agreement for ICE detainees at the Ordnance Road facility. He wanted to convert it to beds for recovering addicts, but after talking with detainees there, he had a change of heart and decided to keep it open and to continue to collect the $118 per detainee per day from the federal government. The program made $4 million for the county last year. Here's where he really goes off the rails. He wants to take part of that $4 million and allocate it to providing legal assistance to the very detainees that are being housed in the prison. Now, he didn't say how much of that $4 million he would allocate for that, but still, sorry, Stuart, this is income to the county and the taxpayers that you are now allocating to assist, for the most part, non-county residents. You have identified all sorts of failures in the county that need fixing now, from police officer and teacher salary to the numbers of police officers, the numbers of firefighters, the numbers of teachers, the numbers of support staff, to creating a more transparent government utilizing software. Four million bucks a year will go a long way. That will pay for 30 starting teachers or police officers every year. The people who elected you and the council to be solid stewards of the county purse. And this is not a solid stewardship at all, Stuart. Take the money as long as the feds want to give it to us and put it to use for the benefit of the county, not a detainee. You've said that ending the 287G program was done because the local government should not be meddling in what is considered a federal issue, immigration. So how is it okay in your mind now to meddle in immigration with this contract? I suggest if you're looking to provide any kind of legal assistance, maybe you pull out your own personal checkbook and write a check to a lawyer and have them take care of it, not with the county money. And that's what I'm thinking today. Every weekend, there's something exciting going on in the Annapolis area. Be sure to visit iAnnapolis.net to sign up for a newsletter highlighting all the weekend events. Here are our top picks for this weekend. Thank God it's... It is the weekend, and it is a special weekend. This is New Year's Eve weekend, because we're not publishing on Monday or Tuesday, so we're going to get right into it. Tonight at Union Jacks, it's the annual Winter Meltdown concert, which is an ALS benefit. It goes from 8 p.m. till 2 a.m., and they're going to have a whole host of bands with, get this, no cover charge. You're going to have Scribe, Falconry, Bradford Hunter Ray, The Streams, and Warren Russell. There will be a raffle benefiting the ALS research, drink specials, menu specials, and plenty of ways to contribute to the cause. Head on out to Union Jacks tonight from 8 till 2 a.m. There's nothing going on on Saturday. Sit home, rest up, and get ready for Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. Speaking of Sunday, December 30th, it's a Budweiser Clydesdale miracle on Annapolis Street. Now, this is in West Annapolis. It gets underway at 11 a.m. till 3 p.m. This will be the Budweiser Clydesdales will come into West Annapolis. You can get up close to them. You can possibly pet them. Put on by the West Annapolis Business Affiliation. You're going to have food trucks. You'll have inflatables for the kids. It's a wonderful family event. There will be vendors. There will be beer there. There will be games and festivities. And all of this is leading up to the Military Bowl, which is on the 31st. But before we get to that later on Sunday... It is a benefit concert for Historic Annapolis held at the Market House. And they do some really cool things with music there if you haven't been there. But the Market House is there. It goes from 3 to 5 p.m. They will have some food and drink samples available. And three pints and a glass will be a group of international musicians. They're traditional musicians that will be playing there. Look like tambourine, mandolin, violin. Ought to be a lot of fun at the Market House, which has quickly become a focal point of the downtown Annapolis scene. 
One of the two big events this weekend is the Military Bowl, and this gets underway on Monday with a Military Bowl parade at 9 a.m. The Budweiser Clydesdales will lead the parade, as well as musical groups, civic organizations, championship teams. You're going to have 13 recipients of the Medal of Honor, including the most recent recipient. Governor Hogan will be the Grand Marshal. That gets underway at City Dock at 9 a.m. Now, if you have seen the parade in the past, it has taken a little bit of a different route this year because of the construction on Bladen Street. It's going to go up Main Street. It's going to go right on Church Circle. So it's going to go the wrong way around Church Circle. Then it's going to go out West Street. It'll take a right on Calvert Street and then a left on to Northwest Street, which ultimately will turn into Rao Boulevard up to the stadium. Also starting at 9 o'clock, you've got the Budweiser tailgate at the Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Obviously, the parade, the tailgate are all free. And the big game kicks off at noon, where you're going to see Virginia Tech and the University of Cincinnati in a grudge rematch. In 2014, the two teams went head-to-head to a sold-out crowd, and we do not expect anything less this year. We love the Military Bowl. It is a lot of fun. Make sure you get in on it, whether it be Sunday at West Annapolis or Monday for the parade and the game. And of course, after the game, we've got New Year's Eve. Yes, it is December 31st, and Annapolis again is pulling out all the stops. They have two celebrations, a family celebration that's going to get underway from 3 to about 6.30 at the Weems Whalen Field, which is located behind Maryland Hall. You will have food trucks. You will have games for the kids. You will have dancing. You will have music from the Pretty Music Academy and a special fireworks show at beginning at 5.30 p.m. There will be free parking. Check that out at the Park Place Annapolis starting at 2 o'clock, and that's good until 2 a.m. There will be free circulator shuttles running from that garage and Weems Whalen Field all up and down West Street, down into Main Street and City Dock. After the early fireworks, you want to hang out into town, have some dinner with the family. Again, the circulator bus will take you all over the place and finish up the night with a party right on City Dock with Scott Himes and his Radio City Band, which will be dancing for all ages in a heated tent right at Susan Campbell Park. It is all ages. It is a non-alcoholic event. Of course, Annapolis says goodbye to 2018 at midnight with a special fireworks display right at the end of Annapolis City Dock. Again, free parking either up at Park Place, which is up a little bit on the other end of West Street, or if you want to do it downtown, starting at 6 p.m., the Calvert Street parking garage at 19 St. John Street will be free. You can do a reduced parking for $2 all evening starting at 4 p.m. at the Whitmore Garage, which is at 25 Clay Street. And that's it for the final weekend of 2018. I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you very much for listening to this podcast for the last year and a half. It's been a pleasure to produce it for you. I hope you've gotten something out of it. And I hope you do recommend us to some of your friends and colleagues. If you think it sucks, don't say anything. With all that, have a very safe, have a very happy new year. And we will see you bright and early at 7 a.m. on January 2nd. You've been listening to the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. Tell your friends and colleagues this is the podcast where you can keep up on the latest with what's going on in Annapolis. And also tell them about our website, ionanapolis.net, where you can find even more information. This podcast comes to you every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., keeping you informed with the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. And take a moment to listen to our other podcast, The Maryland Crabs, released every Thursday at noon.